For the best show in the Pacific Northwest, here's my dad to his boyfriend and friend. Hey, you guys. What's going on? It's episode number 230 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah. Uh, Don't forget, we are part of the Windermere family. We fly the W, and we are so busy right now, but we're never, ever busy we're not going to sit down with you, right? Yeah, you can go to ronandonsitdown.com. You can book an appointment right there if you just want to do a one-stop shop. You can get the buyer's playbook, the seller's playbook, and an immediate digital download. If you can't figure it out, just email me directly, ron at windermere.com, and uh, I will be able to send it to you. Yeah. Hey, coming up, uh, we're going to have a weekly quick uh, real estate segment about what's happening in the market in Seattle, and specifically with condos and are people still moving here because we see an exodus from San Francisco right now. And typically what happens in San Francisco happens in Seattle months, if not years later. What we're seeing in San Francisco, will that happen here? We're going to talk about that. Also, GameStop. I thought when it came investing in GameStop that the investments stopped. Talked a lot about Robinhood. Ron gave us this incredible education. Uh, Anyway, uh, I just looked at some headlines, and it said that the GameStop stock is beginning to soar once again. Hmm. What's what's behind that? Maybe Ron could explain that before we get to that. Let's get to this. Remember this early in the season? Let Russ cook, right? Let Russ cook. Everybody's talking about Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Ron and I know a little bit about football. We work for the Oakland Raiders as sideline reporters. Had an opportunity to actually travel with the team up here and go to a Seattle Seahawks game, but we're standing on the other sidelines with the Oakland Raiders. Also, uh, we did the pre and post game and the halftime show with the Dallas Cowboys. And congratulations, NFL. Charlie, uh, or to um, your co-host, finally in the Hall of Fame this year, Charlie Pearson, Waters. No, Pearson. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, after thirty-three years, I didn't know that. True Pearson, yeah, is Drew in. Pearson, yeah, yeah. Nobody, the Veterans uh, Committee. No, nobody was louder about him being in the Hall after his catch. Than Drew Pearson was. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, if you don't know about the catch, uh, look at YouTube. It was a hell of a catch. In fact, anywhere Drew Pearson goes, an old cowboy in Dallas, people just walk around. In fact, when I did the post game with him, people would just go, Drew, Drew, and make him take his head. Thanks for the catch. Him, <laughs> hey, Drew, 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 Drew. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, thanks for the catch. So it was just, you pull off his headphones on every commercial break. Thanks for the, and for us, it was always, hey, you Ron or Don? Right. Hey, you Ron or Don. Hey, Drew, thanks for the catch. So, a lot of that. Anyway, let's get back to this story. Let Russ cook. Have you been wondering where that came from? Let Russ cook. It actually came from Russell Wilson himself. We're finding out now that he had a meeting early on in the year with Pete Carroll and with the Seattle Seahawks and with the frontline staff and with some of the coaches and some of the players and said, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for me to do what Terry Bradshaw used to do back in the day, what John Elway used to do back in the day, what a guy like, I don't know, Patrick Holmes now does currently, currently he does this, 
Tom Brady, we know, has been doing this for almost two decades. Russell Wilson wanted to have the opportunity to call his own plays in the huddle and then also call his own plays at the line of scrimmage. Typically what happens when you first get in the NFL, it takes years. It takes years of trust. It takes years of watching film, of actually playing the game at a game speed. It takes years for the human brain to figure out not only what is happening on this football field, and think about this, Russell Wilson at 5'11", he can't see over those players. And so you just have to watch a lot of film and you have to build this muscle memory. And Russell's been doing this now in the NFL. Think about this for almost a decade. It'll be a decade before you know it. And he's gone to a couple Super Bowls, almost won two, surely won one. And his feeling was that Pete Carroll and the offensive coordinators always calling the plays was beginning to hurt his brand. And he also felt like it's one of the reasons why he has never been named the MVP. So look at Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady not only ran that offense, called that offense. He took the same offense that he was running in New England. And Bruce Arian said, you know what? I'm going to get out of the way. You're going to be the quarterback. You're going to be the offensive coordinator. And you're going to be the offensive coach. And that's what Tom Brady did. That's what Drew Brees does and has done for an awful long time in New Orleans. So Russell Wilson has felt like it's time for me to cook. And you know what? The organization got got behind it. And they said, let's go. Let Russ cook. And then you would start here. Where did that term come from? Like, who made that up? Well, that came from Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And it came, then other players were saying it. And then you started hearing it on sports radio. Then you started seeing it in headlines. Then the national media picked it up. And Russell Wilson, at the same time you heard Let Russ Cook, then you heard he was a shoe-in for the MVP. For like the first seven weeks of the yeah. season. And then what happened? Seven weeks in, they actually started playing some better teams. And in two games, he was responsible for turning the ball over seven times. And that's when Pete Carroll said, you know what, Russell Wilson, you're cooked. That is it. And they took the controls away from him. And as a result of that, the Seattle Seahawks went on to win 12 games to go 12 and four. But then they got bounced out of the playoffs as they got mowed down. And after that, those moments of seeing Russell Cook, he never really recovered from that. And then, of course, the MVP was given to someone else. So now, back to the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson has gone out on the Dan Patrick Show talking about the organization. We've never seen him do this before. Uh, he has stormed out of meetings. We've never heard this before. And a lot of times when you hear this kind of information being leaked, and we know this just in working for, for the Cowboys and the Raiders, th- this, is, this is a player signaling that I want out of here, I want to go somewhere else, and I want to get paid more money. They're signaling that to the organization and to the fan base. Or what they're doing is they're coming back and saying, hey, remember how I was cooking last year? And I almost won the MVP until you guys panicked because there was a two-game skid where I turned the ball over and then you stopped letting me cook. Come on, Pete Carroll. You let me, and I want to go back to letting Russ cook or I am done with the Seattle Seahawks organization. And look what the Seattle Seahawks did. You went 12-4. and You never see this. 
They fired their offensive coordinator after going 12 and four. The question is, did they do that because Pete Carroll uh, no longer had the confidence of that coordinator? Or did they do that uh, because Russell Wilson had a say in that? What are your thoughts on letting Russ cook? And we have never really seen him go sideways with anybody or anything before. And now here he is later on in his career going sideways with the Seattle Seahawks. I think that um, I always flash back, and I don't know if you remember this. We Don and I, when we worked for the Raiders, did the Tim Brown show. He's now in the Hall of Fame, a, a wide receiver. Touchdown, Tim Brown. And Timmy Brown uh, told us in one interview one time uh, something I'd never thought of. And he said, you know what, guys? NFL coaches have an expiration date. And he goes, and here's why. Because your entire life as an athlete, you only have a coach for a certain amount of time. Like when you're in Pop Warner, you have a coach for a couple of years, then it changes. Then you got your high school coach for a couple of years. Then you got your college coach for a couple of years. And then you make it to the NFL. And he goes, round about the fourth or fifth year, you've seen everything this coach has got. You've heard every rah-rah speech. You've seen every tantrum. You can finish his sentence for you, for him, and he can finish his sentence for you. And he goes, it could be the greatest coach in the world, uh, but if you're a veteran there, you've seen his act, and he's seen your act. And he's like, it's, it's, and there could be no bad blood. It just has an expiration date. And I think that may be happening here, is that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have been together for a long time. And Pete Carroll's a defensive guy. He played defense. He coached that, defense. That was, yeah. He played defense. Yeah. He coached defense. He thinks about defense. He uh, That's the way he he's wired. He's an expert. He is uh, not an offensive guy. And he's tried to bring in these offensive gurus and coaches, quarterback coaches over the years. But, but Pete Carroll's um, mentality is run the ball. Beast mode. Let's get, a, let's get a Marshawn Lynch in here and just pound it up the middle. Run, run, run. Like he's old school run and then pass guy. And that's not what Russell, Russell Wilson sees the Deshaun Watsons of the world. Russell Wilson sees uh, the Patrick Mahomes of the world. And he's like, I can do that. That's what I want to do. So I just think that they've reached the end of this experiment. And when they had Marshawn Lynch, they won a Super Bowl and got to another one. But they don't have Marshawn Lynch anymore. And they don't have the Legion of Boom anymore. And they don't have an offensive line for the past so in, in defense of Russell Wilson, dude gets sacked like one or two in the league every year. Well, Some of those the, are his fault. In defense of the Seattle Seahawks, though, they have spent a lot of money uh, back in their Super Bowl days. Uh, they spent a lot of money on their offensive line. Then they did not because they had to pay players early on like Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. And so they couldn't pay the offensive line. Now they pivoted back to paying the offensive line, but they have not done well in the draft and they haven't done well with the players that they brought in. They've been trying. Yeah, so, so. I, I would not be surprised if we do not see Russell Wilson back in a Seahawk uniform. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Like, dude, We got a Super Bowl out of it and went to a second. Yeah. And by we, I mean the, the people of the Pacific Northwest. That's not guaranteed. Yeah. Like there are franchises that go forever, like the Seahawks did before that Super Bowl. Yeah. And you never get one. So, um, you know, even like my other team that I grew up with, the Denver Broncos, they've been horrible yeah. for the past couple of years. But Elway got them a Super Bowl uh, as a GM. Yeah. And so you just kind of got to go, hey, man, that's the cycle. The only team that had, didn't do that was uh, the New England Patriots. And now we found out that it was more Brady than Belichick 
possibly, although everyone says Belichick's a genius. So, you know, I think it could just be the end of an era. The only team and that did that was who? Was the New England Patriots. It just kept winning Super Bowls oh. uh, time after time after time. And then time. Dave Brady's gone and they no longer are winning Super Correct. Bowls. Correct. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that was a special scenario. So I- I'm okay with just saying, hey, man, if yeah. you want to go to L.A. or you want to go to Vegas, I've heard, uh, if you want to go to another team and, and, and try to – they said Vegas would be perfect for him because Sierra could perform in the casinos. Yeah. Uh, and that he could have uh, his brand there. Let, so let me back when Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls in a row. It's when there was no salary cap in the NFL, so you could go out and you could buy a Super Bowl. Remember when the Niners kept winning them over and over again? It's because Eddie DeBartolo would spend more money on Joe Montana and Steve Young. That's why you could have those two quarterbacks on the same team, and Jerry Rice, because he would just outpay everyone. Then all of a sudden, the salary cap comes in, and the Niners and the Cowboys. I've struggled to win another Super Bowl, to even get back to a Super Bowl, to even get back to the playoffs. Look at the way that the Cowboys have struggled. And 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 here's the thing. Here here's what's important. It used to be when you would see an old quarterback move to another team. Like when San Francisco was done with Montana and he went to the Chiefs, I still rooted for Montana, but you knew it was over. When Jerry Rice was still hanging on and even came up here, to kind of be a player coach. Steve Largent let him wear number 80. Yeah, with the Seattle Seahawks. Those were good headlines, and that was fun. But he was on the other side of his career. The difference is, in the age of the salary cap, you have a guy like Tom Brady that can say, you know what? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in a cycle right now because when new players come on, you don't have to pay them very much. You pay them the league minimum. The year Russell Wilson won the Super Bowl, he made millions from Levi's and endorsements, but he only made $556,000 because he's making the league minimum. And then as soon as you had to pay him and pay everybody else, those Super Bowls start to go away. So what Tom Brady did is he looked around. He said, you know what? Tampa Bay has built a defense. I'm going to go there and run the offense. We got a good shot at winning a Super Bowl, and he went there. When you look in New Orleans right now, and if Drew Brees steps aside, New Orleans has a great defense. They are in the cycle. They have a lot of young players who they're paying the league minimum to on the defensive side. They have great running backs and very good receivers. And I haven't heard anyone say this, you guys. I could see Russell Wilson, who is a Drew Brees protege, going to a place like New Orleans because the defense is built. When you look here in Seattle, in the beginning part of the year when Russell was cooking and the defense was horrible, now we pivot and we look at this defense and you wonder, is Russell Wilson scratching his head and saying, hey, the defense has gotten pretty good here in Seattle. Maybe I should stay here. But I don't think so. I think he loves L.A. I think he loves Las Vegas. I think he loves big markets. I think he's done in the Pacific Northwest. And I think Russell Wilson is done with your Seattle Seahawks. He is cooked. I don't think we'd have this house if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. (laughs) Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well-prepared. There were houses we were interested in. They would go and preview them if we wanted. One time, Ron went and then FaceTimed us as he walked through several houses for us so that we wouldn't have to come over and waste the trip. I was surprised how quickly, especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what 
I was looking for, and I don't think we would have like found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without. A, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I was just um, so impressed with their professionalism, their competence, their responsiveness, their respectfulness of our process. Run uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places. It was a very smooth process. I think that they definitely brought their heart and soul. They did a great job. The market was super hot. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe. Hey, you guys, and as you uh, just heard, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. If you'd like to sit down with us, we'd love to sit down with you. Whether you're just starting that journey, you're curious about the journey, or you're ready to go, yeah, reach out to us. Run it on sitdown.com, and you can schedule a sit-down with us today. There's a calendar. You can do that. You can get signed up for the Nation News. Uh, and if you need to get in, in, in touch with us directly, uh, you can just write Ron, Ron at windermere.com, and let's sit down today. GameStop. You explained GameStop to us a couple weeks ago, and we talked about pumping and dumping. I had never heard about that before, and then I've been trying to learn more about the stock market that's approaching 32,000. Wow, it's crazy. And yet, while that's going on on Wall Street, we know that people are still suffering on Main Street, and Main Street has kind of turned the tables with stocks like GameStop, and we've seen this stock get pumped, people dump. And now it's getting pumped again. What's going on here? All right. To explain this, uh, I have to explain options a little bit. And again, this is, I'm, I'm not a financial advisor. I've just uh, dabbled in this stuff. But it, what apparently has happened is, um, and most people never trade options. They always trade stocks. And so when you buy an individual stock, uh, let's say you're going to buy a share of Amazon, you want it to go up. Mm-hmm. So you, it's there. You pay the price. Let's, it's not a hundred dollars. Let's say it was a hundred dollars. I'm going to buy this share of Amazon. It's a hundred dollars. And then in the future, when it's two hundred dollars, I can sell it. And now I just made a hundred dollars. Everyone gets that concept. What about in the f- future? It's a, if it's fifty dollars, then you lost the money. You can hang on to it and not sell it. Mm-hmm. So that's how stocks work. Options are a different story. So an option is a contract that you buy that has an expiration date. Mm. And so when you buy, and that's what's going on with GameStop, is these options have a calendar to them every week. And so I can say, I want the option to buy GameStop at a specific price. So let's call it 50 bucks. I have an option to buy GameStop for $50. That option expires on this date in the future. And as we get closer to that date, the price of that option is going to change because you know how close you are to the price. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So I could say, if I'm explaining this correctly, let's say that I have an option to buy at $50 and it expires a week from now. And so right now, the, the stock is at $70. And so as we get closer to the expiration date, if that stock is coming down mm. to meet me, 
uh, then maybe I purchase. If it's going up, then I, I just let my option expire and all it cost me was the price of the option contract. I'm not out any money. But if the option to buy at 50, now all of a sudden the stock is, is worth way more than that. I can buy it at 50 and then I've made the spread. Does that make sense? Yep. And so what these GameStop people have done is they knew they know the option schedule is published. You know when these option contracts are going to expire. And so they there was this pent up order sitting at us at $60 a share. Oh, okay. And so wow. when that option date was about to expire, it it triggered Wow. This this demand that was sitting there, there was another big uh, untapped demand at one hundred and twenty five dollars, and so it went pow, and it hit this this button basically this this big well of demand that was just sitting there in the order desk. So once you place your order for an option, it's placed. You bought the contract. It's sitting there in the system waiting. And so you either exercise the contract or you don't. So all these people had bought an options contract at 60 bucks and they're just waiting. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And they all decided we're going to exercise our option. So boom, it hits. And then all of a sudden it, it spikes. And so if you're an individual investor looking at that, all of a sudden the price is going up. You may not even know why. Why Why did it hit 60 and then just explode? Well, because those option contracts were, were buoying it up. So now the individual investors are like, I want on this ride. Here we <laughs> yeah. go again. So you just, instead of buying an option contract, yeah. you go, oh, well, I want, I'm going to take a thousand bucks. I'm just going to buy shares. So you're, so that's piling on in on top so of that. So now there's this other untapped pool big, big of, snowball of, of demand for yeah. options at 125. It hits that. And now other people are like, holy cow, it's happening again. <laughs> I'm just going to get 10 grand on it. And so they jump on yeah. and that's setting up. And so again, you still had these in institutional short sellers. They bought options the other way. They bought short options. Once you buy the contract, you can't get out of it unless you take the loss. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so these big investors, these billionaire hedge funds, they've already purchased their shorts. And so those short contracts expire at a, at a date in the future. So they've been doing all they can do to drive that price down. They've been talking to the Fed. They've been going on all the shows. They've been talking to Wall Street Journal. They're dr- trying to drive that down because that makes them money or gets them out of the, the, the red. And, and so you have these com- competing options contracts. So they're saying that the hedge fund guys have lost an additional $1.9 billion uh, because of these uh, option contracts. Yeah. They say one of the things that fueled this is there's a gentleman who's on the GameStop board, and they say that some of these investors saw something on a tw- his Twitter account. I don't know what they saw. And it wasn't a direct signal to do something, but they felt signaled by whatever information that he shared. It, it, is this the future of, of Wall Street, of, of these big hedge funds going on the Jim Cramer show and signaling that we're going to crush GameStop. And then even though Robin Hood went away, you have still Robin Hood, at least his married men are still out there. And they're like, you know what? This is how the small guy this is how we fight they'll, back. They'll, they'll change the rules. They'll change the rules. There, there's, there's no way they're not going to change the rules on this. And so, yeah, if, if, if 
the individual investor has figured out a way to beat the street, they will change the rules. Yeah. I have no doubt about it. They're not going to sit there and continue to lose billions of dollars. Yeah. Let's talk more on the other side of this. Whether you're buying or selling, everyone needs a team. That's what Team Bronco did. That's what Team Lone Star did. That's what Team Wallace did. That's what Team Michigan did. Go Blue! All right, you guys, episode 230 rolling on. And uh, don't forget, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. If you want to reach out to us, just do it. Go to ronadonsitdown.com. Uh, we did that with a great couple the other day. We went running with the checkbook, and we are taking down homes all over the Pacific Northwest. We're also getting ready to bring a lot of homes on in places like King, Pierce, Snohomish, Island. Yeah, even out in the Skagit Valley, you guys. Even if it's a vacation home uh, over on the other side of the mountains, we're here to serve you guys. So just go to runitonsitdown.com, and uh, we'll come. We'll come run it. Yeah. We're getting out of here uh, today speaking of real estate. Uh, yeah, there was this interesting article. You may have seen it in the Seattle Times. It was saying uh, that the population, the people are, are fleeing the big cities and it's not people aren't moving here. And um, I don't necessarily want to get into the, the nitty gritty on that article. It's a good article. I think Gene Balk wrote it. And he's basically saying that um, we're not seeing the influx of people to Seattle that we have been, which totally makes sense. Like we're in a pandemic, less people are moving here than had been. Uh, so they're trying to interpret what that means. But the things that, that, that weren't included in that article that I wanted to get your take on is, so we see that. So less people are moving here, uh, than we had before. And, and there's a little bit more of an outflow. So it's out of balance compared to what it was. We're seeing rents for apartments go down uh, for the first time in a long time because you had a lot of inventory that finally came online. So you have less people moving here, rents are going down, and yet some high-end condos are still being built. So if you look around downtown, there are still cranes and there are still buildings going up and there are still these incredible amenities and rooftop decks and gyms and all of these things that are being built in uh, to these luxury condominiums. And so I'm curious as to what your take on that is. Uh, are we going to see empty buildings? Are we going to see what happened in New York where people come in and go, I'll buy 50 condos at one time, but you got to give me a sale price as an investment. What do you put those pieces together in the way that you think about yeah, it? Yeah, I don't think people are moving out. I think they're just moving around. If you look down in San Francisco, it's Seattle mimics San Francisco, and they're a tech hub. We're a tech hub. Big difference is San Francisco is just 49 square miles built on a garbage dump, right? And we are 300 really cool neighborhoods all connected. So that's where we differ, especially when it comes to our, our bedroom communities. But there are a lot of similarities. And in fact, if you look at the top 10 destinations of people that are fleeing San Francisco, they're fleeing San Francisco for Walnut Creek, right outside of San Francisco. They're fleeing San Francisco for uh, wine country. Yeah, they're heading out to Napa. Uh, real estate right there is moving. They're fleeing San Francisco to go to Sacramento. You get the point. The top 10 destinations for people that are fleeing San Francisco, they're still in California. They're not fleeing San Francisco. Now, at the same time, we still see a lot of California buyers come up to Seattle connected to tech. And in fact, we just helped a, uh, a buyer who works for Facebook and, and he was on his way to San Francisco. He was in the UK 
and he was he he was going to be relocated in San Francisco. The way that I know him is his best friend stayed at my Airbnb, also a tech person, and they're best friends, and they're both living in San Francisco. Those two guys, along with their partners now, are both moving to Seattle. Facebook said, no, you're not going to San Francisco. We need you up in Seattle. And the same with his friend that was staying at my Airbnb. He's currently down in San Francisco, but he is he is headed up, I think, permanently to San Francisco. So when it says that people aren't moving here, people are still moving here. But more, more of what we see currently is people are moving around. And here's the reason why. When people have figured out that I can work from home, even if you end up going back to work, I bet you don't traditionally, for a lot of us, go back to work nine to five, uh, and you're going to sit on the interstate, and you're going to waste a bunch of time, a bunch of things you could be getting done if you were online right then in your home office. So I think what you're going to see, and and as I'm talking to people, especially in tech, and they prefer this, they still want to go to work. They still want to get away from their partner, their kids, their dog. They still want to sit in the car and call their mom or have a smoke or whatever it is that you do when you're in your car. Maybe you listen to the Ron and Don show. They they still want to do that. But if there's a way to do that twice a week versus five times a week and still work from home. So now I'm at home and I'm looking around and I'm like, where's my home office going to be? Am I going to work out of the same room if I have a partner? No, so I need a bigger spot in a, in a bigger space. You think about our studio right now. Our studio is in my house, right? My workout room is in my house. My office is in my house. I have not been to my Windermere office in months. And the reason I haven't been there is because of COVID. When, it, when it's time to go back in the office, I'll still have a desk there, but I'll go sit in that desk once or twice a week. I'm not going to sit in that desk five times a week. I don't want to. I don't like desks, right? So so for me, in the way that I'm living my life and using my real estate, I think that's why people are reevaluating the real estate they live in. So when you see a lot of people, for instance, leaving condos in downtown Seattle, are they moving back to Minnesota where they came from? No. What they're doing is they're moving to Monroe because that now they have a lot that's 16,000 square feet. They can buy a home like a four-bedroom, two-bathroom home for under a million bucks. Maybe I'll go live in a, play, a, a great farmhouse. I've always wanted to live out in Port Orchard. Or maybe I'll head up to Everett. Everett's booming right now. We see that in our real estate business. Even in Tacoma, you, you get to places like Spanaway, out, back out to Olala. Uh, people are seeing now, I can live out in the country. I can have a bigger place in space. In Seattle, our lot lines are like 40 feet. So when you look out the window, you're looking right into your neighbor's dining room table. And people are tired of doing that. And as a result of that now, we see people not moving out and moving away, but in my opinion, moving around. So do you think these these developers that have been, it's been years in the making to make these seven-figure condos are going to kind of go, hey, move in special. Uh, because right now we had no way of knowing the world would be in this spot by the time we put the finishing touches on this new luxury condo. Yeah, you know what? When it comes to, to condos and building, it's musical chairs because you think about the property that you had to acquire. When, when, when Paul Allen started building South Lake Union, he bought up most of that real estate before the crash. I live there across the street from the Montessori school when every day I'd wake up and I'd hear these kids' laughter and all of a sudden the laughter was gone. All of a sudden the Safeway was closed. 
All of a sudden, AutoHound, where they repaired cars, that was gone. All of a sudden, the broken down homes by Yale Park, where a lot of homeless people lived inside those homes, and those drug deals that were going on, and the prostitution in Yale Park, that began to disappear and dissipate. And the, a lot of those people really were driven to the jungle, jungle and I-5 and the Ballard Commons and tents and everything else that we talked about. Because we don't have a lot of abandoned buildings. Most cities have a percentage of abandoned buildings. The Seattle Times, there were 200 homeless people living there. Well, now it's a tech building. So where did those 200 people go? Did homelessness get solved? No, it's tube of toothpaste and they just went somewhere else. So he bought up that land. And what Paul Allen was able to do that no one else is able to do is he had deep enough pockets where he could just sit on it. Most builders would have lost it. Most builders would have had gone back to the bank because remember, big banks, small banks, they weren't loaning money. In fact, the federal government went to banks like Bank of America and said, you're too big to fail. Wells Fargo, you're too big to fail. Washington Mutual, you're going to fail. So they gave them all this money. And you know what the banks did? They just sat on the cash. They were making more money just sitting on the cash and not loaning that. Buying GameStop. Yeah, and taking that, <laughs> and taking that risk. So he sat on it. He got on the other side of the cycle of those musical chairs, and then he was he was able to go out and build South Lake Union. Then you look at a guy like Tom Douglas. He went in and signed these tremendous leases on these big restaurants. Everything was humming along until COVID happened. And then Tom said, hey, we're going to step out and step away. I have to imagine that a lot of these owners of these buildings that have these huge restaurants and these huge footprints will probably go back to someone like Tom Douglas and say, hey, let's sit down and see if we can rethink our lease and rethink the future in South Lake Union. I just think there's going to be some tremendous deals right now when these buildings come online. Yes. That had COVID not happened. Yes. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. Yeah. So if you are, if you if you did think about, if you've ever been in one of these high rises that has a panoramic view of the city, they're pretty special places. And so I, I think that that downtown is going to come back. If, if you've been ever thinking about that, I, if I had the money to buy one of those high rises, I would. Do it now. I would do it right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause if you wait till the amenities come back, if you wait till Tom Douglas comes back with one of his restaurants, if you wait for to see people back walking the streets and hopefully the streets will feel safe here. When you see people doing that and the city comes alive again. Prices are going to go. When the city comes alive, those prices are going to go up. That's right. So anyway, people want to reach out to us. And let's say they want to talk about a condo and a deal in downtown Seattle. Or they want to talk. Maybe they live in downtown Seattle and they want to talk about moving around. How can they do that? Yeah, just email me, ron at windermere.com. I'll get you the buyer's playbook or seller's playbook. Or you can get it right now digitally at uh, ronadonsitdown.com. Yeah. You look very comfortable today. Thank you. I haven't showered yet. You look like a fluffy doll. Dowel? Dog? Dog? Yeah. Anyway. You and Charlie doing okay? Yeah. What do you mean? Charlie loves me, man. Your dog likes me more than he likes you. I think he loves you. Yeah. Like, it's he weird. does. Like, it's weird. I, I have that with some dogs. It's a weird thing. I noticed when he walked in, though, before we get it, why do you turn your back on him? Because he was, he's jumping up. And what do you, what do you teach? Because it worked, and I've never seen anyone do that before. Tell him what you, tell him what you, you did. You turn to the side and don't. If you face them forward, they think that it's okay to jump up. Okay. You got to deny them attention, make them obey, and then you can give them affection. And he did that. Yeah. You got to admit, he's pretty well behaved for it being Don O'Neill's dog. Absolutely. I kind of like want to buy a uh, contact your breeder and maybe buy one of those dogs when I get back into my condo. Maybe you I'll should. do that. He's a great, great dog. 
So anyway, hey, you guys, thanks for listening to episode 230. If you need to get in touch with us, ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com. You can also find us on our Facebook channels. Just look for Ron and Don Brokers if you want to talk about real estate or Ron and Don Radio on our Facebook channels if you're interested in more about the radio show. It's been a lot of fun. Had a great week with you. Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time for episode 231 only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>